0: Hello, 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 and welcome to the next episode of Ruben the Cuban, Real Talk of Commercial Real Estate. Today we're uh, having uh, a special guest uh, that's here, but uh, as uh, custom, I'm always talking about a cigar that I have in hand uh, when we get started. And today I have a Monte Cristo Robusto. It's part of the Platinum Series Dominican, so it's not the Cuban one, but it's a Dominican. It's a great, great cigar. Again, not uh, endorsed by any cigar company, but uh, this is one of my favorites, and feel free to let me know. One of your favorite cigars as we uh, sit here and celebrate life and uh, hopefully learned a, a few little nuggets about commercial real estate. Kind of set the tone where everybody's talking about the uh, current environment that we're in financially. Are we in a recession or we're not? A lot of the conversation I'm having, especially on the some of the folks that are a little newer to the business, they've not been, they've heard of 2008 and the great recession. And they've heard of all these things and everybody thinks, you know, that um, these cycles are, are, are something to be worried about and so forth. And obviously, uh, geographically, everybody kind of has different ways that the uh, the economy affects geography. My guest today, Arthur Dresnan, has over 40 years of commercial real estate experience, and I'm sure he's seen more than one, if not several different cycles and uh, hopefully uh, we'll be able to uh, pick up uh, some uh, some nuggets and maybe talk a little bit about some of the different cycles. Specializes in office out of the great city of New York, but he's with me down here in Miami today, and we'll talk a little bit about uh, your story. Arthur, thank you very much for being here.
1: Ruben, thank you for having me as your guest.
0: So, um, Arthur, you come down from New York. I know you have, you know, family and so forth. Tell us a little bit about yourself before CRE, before commercial real estate. Where, where did Arthur uh, start? Go to school and you know, kind of get started.
1: I'm from Queens, New York. I went to uh, high school in Forest Hills. Queens, Farsall's High School. Farsall's is somewhat renowned because Simon Garfunkel went there, Art Bunkwald went there, Michael Landon went there, mm-hmm. and a number of other celebrities over the years uh, graduated from Farsall's High School. Well,
0: including Arthur. Including <laughs> Arthur Drasnan.
1: My parents came to this country after World War II. They were both Holocaust survivors. Oh, wow. And they built their lives uh, in in New York with my sister and I. After high school, I went to a a small university in New Jersey called Rider. And then after Rider, I went to graduate school at New York University, studying public administration. And while I was in graduate school, I had the fortune of meeting a person on a tennis court. I'm an active tennis player. And he asked me what I was doing. I told him I was in graduate school in public administration. And I wasn't really enjoying it much and he told me commercial real estate. Similar to the movie The Graduate where Dustin uh-huh. Hoffman is told by one of his father's friends at a party plastics. Yeah. Uh this guy told me commercial real estate. In any event, I knew it was selling, so I had to figure out whether sales was, you know, something that, you know, I'm comfortable with. So I got a job selling for a local newspaper in New York City. Called The Village Voice. Yeah. Which is a famous paper. Yeah, very famous, yeah. Uh, And uh, I was selling real estate advertising. Oh, okay. The, The way you sell real estate advertising is you call up the advertisers that appear in other periodicals, the New York Times and the New York Post and wherever, so you call them and you ask them if they'd be an interested candidate for the Village Voice. I was enjoying it, but it wasn't something that I was feeling very comfortable with. The Voice was a very not just liberal, but somewhat different type of environment, <laughs> where people came in in t-shirts and jeans yeah. and and it wasn't the professional environment that I was felt that I needed or was looking for. Well, what decade are we talking about? We're you know, talking so like, about the early mid 70s. Early
0: mid 70s. So we got the, you know, sport coats, I have the the wide lapels and No, no, no. no. These okay. people
1: were coming in in jeans and t-shirts. <laughs> okay. Okay. It was very avant-garde and anti-establishment type of an environment. Uh. So I said this is really not someplace where I want to develop a career. So in the course of looking at advertisers in real estate, I came upon a ad in the New York Times for a commercial real estate intern trainee with a company called the Edward S. Gordon Company. I sent them my resume. They followed up and they called me and they asked me when I could come in. I said, you know, whenever. I went in and I didn't really know about, father had a retail store on Columbus Avenue and 86th Street on the Upper West Side of Manhattan. uh, And I didn't know about, you know, professional services and how you dress. I went there with cowboy boots and a corduroy jacket. And I go into this office and everybody is dressed in suits and, Mm. you know, looking like a million bucks. When I met the person that was interviewing me, I hid my feet under the chair so he wouldn't see my (laughs) boots, and uh, I must have given him the answers that he was looking for, and he brings me into Ed Gordon's office. Wow. Uh, Ed Gordon was this larger-than-life personality, was beginning to develop a reputation in the New York commercial real estate world. Sits me in front of him, and first question he asks me is, "How much money do you want to make?" I figured, let, let me throw out a big number, so he thinks that I'm ambitious. Uh-huh. So I said, hundred thousand dollars in my first year." And in 1975, I guess that was, a, you know, That's a fair life, amount yeah, of money. Absolutely, you know. He asked me how I came to him, and I gave him my my story, and, and he said, uh, "You know, sit here for a few minutes." He brings in a one of his senior brokers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and introduces me to him. And he asks me a few questions, and I guess I give the right answers. And then uh, Eddie Gordon looks at me and says, when can you start? This was Friday, and I say, is Monday too soon? Wow. There you go.
0: I love it. You're you're shooting for the stars right out of the the gate. Just go for it.
1: He says, okay. You know, keep in mind, this is straight commission. There's no draw. There's no salary. I mean, you're, you're on your own you know, we'll give you guidance, we'll give you training, but, you know, it's it's up to you and it's about you. Yep. Uh, and I said, you know, give me a shot, you know, give my notice at at The Voice. They were disappointed because I had actually started making some sales. But I knew that that wasn't, you know, where my future, you know, was, was heading. So I go into the office at the Edward S. Gordon Company. I'm assigned to this broker who I met in Ed's office. And, you know and he starts giving me canvassing lessons mm. cold call canvassing lessons and unlike today where it's um, almost impossible to walk through a building from the top down knocking on companies doors <laughs> and trying to gain entry into the you know, to the CFO or CEO or president's office to talk about their office space. Today you can't get through these buildings because of security you know reasons. Yep. So you know most of it's done via telephone or by online or social media, mm-hmm. wherever people, you know, gain access. Our business at that time was starting at the top of the building, working your way down, knocking on everybody's door getting past the gatekeeper, the yes. secretary or the receptionist mm-hmm. and telling your story and getting in. Yeah, yeah. You know, I have a gift of gab. Hey. If you get past 10%, you're doing well. Absolutely. So, you know, I I was able to, you know, get past a number of the, you know, the gatekeepers and, and you know, got access to the decision makers and was able to tell my story. So that first year... I must have made a dozen deals. Wow. And I had the help of my mentor. Whenever I you know, came back to the office, followed up on my notes, you know, and started making my follow-up calls, my mentor was sitting behind me, and, and he'd say, put them on hold. Put them on hold and 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 tell me the you know the the script the uh-huh. line to say and then I get back on the phone and I tell my story and then I started gaining a little more confidence and traction and I started to make deals as I said. Ed Gordon noticed me. A couple of other people noticed me. And they put me on some building assignments, some agency assignments, where I would be, you know, working on the, the handling of the building together with, you know, a number of other people as the exclusive leasing agent. Uh, that was the beginning of my career. Wow. In the uh, corporate world. And I stayed with the Edward S. Gord Company for about six years and moved on to another shop called Harper Lawrence, which was to a large extent the captive leasing agent for a large New York investor developer. But subsequently, the Edward S. Gordon Company became the CBRE company. Oh, really? Right. After a number of iterations. Oh, okay. Uh, But that was one of the early iterations of CBRE. Oh. Ed Gordon became a legend in the industry that 's where I got my start that 's that 's amazing that 's amazing. I spent twenty years with Harper Lawrence after about seven doing leasing brokerage and handling Rubin Company properties, which included buildings like Wondack Hammersco Plaza an eight hundred thousand foot property on the east on you know Midtown east. Handling 600 Madison Avenue on 58th Street and yeah. uh, and Madison, you know, prominent location. Yes. Handling a building at 633rd Avenue in the in the Grand Central District, uh, about a 400,000 square foot property. Uh, and number of others on their behalf as the exclusive leasing agent, and being successful with them, they recognized that, you know, I had some leadership skills and made me the president of the company ultimately. Wow, after about six years. We had about twenty five agents that I helped recruit over the course of my early stay there. And then in uh, two thousand and two, I left Harper Lawrence and brought my team over to Newmark and Company, a large New York-based uh, commercial real estate firm where I spent 15 years at a senior executive role uh, with the team leading a team in the uh, office leasing s- sector. Uh, and then I left Newmark. Uh, in 2017, or, and went to Cushman and Wakefield, where my brother-in-law, who I brought into the business and now is an executive vice chairman, uh, works and uh, spent some time working with with him until the middle of the pandemic, where I hung a shingle and uh, set up Drasden Real Estate Advisors.
0: Great, great. You've been through several of these type of recessionary times. What we're saying now is we have a couple years of some uh,
1: headwinds coming our way. Uh, 1990 was a very bad recessionary period for the real estate industry. You know, the mantra was stay alive to 95. (laughs) Uh, It's when many properties went into foreclosure. It's when fortunes were made. Yeah. Because the smart money bought at this right time, and that's what's happened during most of the recessionary periods that I've been through. In the late 70s, when I was early on in my career, uh, we were in a very bad recessionary period when when New York was in dire straits. The headlines in the New York Times read from Gerald Ford, who was at, the, at that time the president, uh, Abe Beam, who was the mayor of New York, and Ed Koch, who was the subsequent mayor of New York, we're looking for federal monies and, mm. you know, to help bail out New York. And uh, Gerald Ford, you know, I don't know whether this is an accurate quote, but the Daily News had a headline saying, drop dead New York. Wow. Wow. So we had a bad recession then. And the smart money was buying yep. for nothing. Mm-hmm. And that was in the late 70s, very early 80s. Things started to improve and then once again in, you know, 89, 90, 91, we went into another very bad Mm -hmm. New York recession, which affected uh, commercial real estate rather dramatically. You know, smart money came in again and started buying and bought cheap. Uh, Then the mid-90s, you know, the dot-com companies started to evolve, Mm -hmm. which are the early day tech companies of today. Uh, And then we hit 2000, which everybody may – or people may remember as the dot-com boom Mm -hmm. and bust. And bust. Exactly. Okay. So at that point, we enter into another recessionary period. And once again, that smart money starts to buy. Mm. Uh, And then, of course, we had 9-11, which was in 2001. Mm -hmm. And – a lot of people thought that that was the end of New York. Who's going to move into these office buildings when there are threats of you know, potential war activity or, you know, or terrorist activity? Mm-hmm. And people started to back off from New York City. Many of the deals that were under contract you know, prior to 9-11 you know, fell out of contract. Once again, what happens? The smart money starts buying.
0: There's, there's a common theme there. Yes. Very common.
1: You know, here we are now. We've got COVID. We've got pandemic. We've got uh, nobody coming into the New York City office market in terms of employees, technology that has uh, advanced to the point where work from home has become fairly common and standard. Everybody's on Zoom calls. Everybody is on you know Microsoft team calls mm-hmm. uh, and it seems to be working during this pandemic period. so what's happening? The New York occupancy rate, and i'm not talking about the availability rate I'm mm-hmm. talking about the employees that are coming into the office mm-hmm. down to seven eight nine percent wow. during the heart of of the pandemic, which is unheard of. I've never seen wow. anything quite like that happen before. Everybody thinks New York City is finished. <laughs> Certainly the office market. Yeah, yeah. the residential market stayed strong. People are working from home. Yeah. Uh, you know, the rental market, you know, was robust in terms of apartments. Rents were as high as they've ever been. New construction for rental apartments is thriving. Uh, but the office market is in the tank,
0: and I chuckled—not cynically. I just chuckled because, as you stated a couple of times, you know we've seen headlines from the seventies, eighties, nineties. New York office market—you know—things are going and be living the same thing is almost history repeating itself. But there's a resiliency there that always seems to come back.
1: N- New York, uh, you know, is the center of the world as far as I'm concerned, mm-hmm. and many other people are concerned. Uh, not only is the, you know, the city, the the, the center of the financial world still, mm-hmm. uh, the entertainment world, the theatrical world, the cultural world, restaurant world, everything about New York is still thriving, wow. with the exception of the office market, mm-hmm. to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. We are now in what's called a flight to quality. Uh, companies realize that there's all this new technology as i mentioned like zoom and like mm-hmm. all the others and it's only getting better there's a resistance on the part of employees to come back to work especially the young ones yeah uh, the young employees you know they feel that they can do their job you know reasonably well you know from their bedroom or from their office at home mm-hmm. or remotely from miami <laughs> <laughs> Uh, You know, I know that firsthand. My daughter, my younger daughter, my... And her husband and my son and his wife both moved from New York City down to Miami, uh-huh. which brings me here more more often than uh, not. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, and they were working full time at their you know roles, their respective roles. My my son in the hedge fund world, my mm-hmm. daughter, you know, in the media world, and they brought their lives down here, nice. and they're thriving. So I can't say that that. You know it isn't working, but for you know a good portion of the the workforce in New York City, uh, you know who are still working from home, I think that they're missing out on the the benefits of collaboration, mm-hmm. of learning culture, of learning what of what being in an office environment is all about. It's improving yeah. certainly in the New York market. Uh, we've seen the occupancy. As I mentioned, the occupancy rates of the people that are actually coming into the office go from the depth of the pandemic at seven eight nine percent now we're probably in excess of fifty percent of the employees that are that are coming in mm, okay so things are getting a little bit better. Uh, As I mentioned, there's been a flight to quality. Companies realize Mm -hmm. that in order to get their employees back into the office, they have to provide them with an environment that is uh, special, uh, that's amenity-laden. So the landlords of some of these brand-new buildings and some of the older buildings are adding amenities, amenities. To their properties that include gymnasiums and conference centers and dining opportunities and wellness facilities and uh, setbacks or terraces that that are planted and the employees have outdoor space that mm-hmm. they can they can go to. Uh, all of these are attractions that landlords are putting into their buildings, one to attract tenants to lease space in these buildings and. Two, to uh, get the tenants to attract their employees back into the buildings and to retain existing employees and to recruit new ones because the tough part of working in New York, you know, of of being a company in New York today is the competition for for, for talent.
0: Well, and I would say New York is probably one of the toughest type of uh, landscapes to be just in any business, let alone the real estate business. The work ethics, uh, the... The level of excellence that it's expected it's probably bar none I would say uh, from people I know from New York and uh, having worked a little bit with some uh, some some investors from New York um, so you, you really cut your teeth in probably the the roughest waters what to, did Frank to,
1: Sinatra say if you can make it there you can make you, it you it can in. make it anywhere
0: there <laughs> you go New York New York I like to touch on something that we were talking about a little earlier you have the great story with New York and then we see a lot of a lot of New York folks, like you said, it's your family moving down to the Miami area. Some companies are coming this way. You know, Some of the larger law firms are moving this way and so forth. How do you see that? I kind of see it as New York, Miami being not codependent, dependent, but working together versus just an exit of New York. I don't know if that makes sense. But the way I see it is like they're coming down here, they're establishing here, but they're not leaving 100 percent You know, their, their roots from New York. It's a very much still a New York company they're putting uh, an office down here. They're they're coming down here because they they see uh, a future for South Florida and Miami. So I don't know if um, you can kind of touch on that. I know we talked about the the quality of, of, you know, class a office buildings and the kind of buildings that they're going to be looking for here in the Miami area. But um, do you think they're just going to cut ties with New York or is it still going to be like a Miami, New York uh, where they both uh, help each other out kind of thing kind of as you grow and expand You know, some people say, hey, I'll put a branch office over here because it's still part of me, but we need presence down there as well.
1: Great question. You know, we've seen Miami uh, develop as a meaningful office market over the last several years. You know, that's, of course, as a result of quality of life-related issues. It's a result of business-related issues. It's a result of tax-related issues. Mm -hmm. A clear understanding that Miami is... You know now, in the top echelon of cities nationally, that incorporates New York and Chicago and L.A. and and Dallas and San Francisco and and uh, you know and, and and some others. But Miami is at the forefront of of all of that right now because of the lifestyle. You know issues and those other ones. Uh, I don't think you're going to see a full migration to New York by many of these companies. You'll see a, uh, and you're beginning to see it now a a modest migration, mm-hmm. uh, and you'll notice that over the last year or two, companies like Blackstone, who recently took almost fifty thousand square feet, which is a very you know very small piece of their entire envelope uh come down here citadel mm-hmm. uh is building a building at 830 brickle they're going to be occupying almost 2 or 300,000 square feet mm-hmm. down here but they're not cutting ties with new york they're in the process of of uh, developing a building uh, where they're going to have a Presence of about five or six hundred thousand square feet in New York for mm. the majority of their, you know, East Coast employees, mm-hmm. but their corporate headquarters will be in Miami. You see law firms like Kirkland and Ellis and 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 others coming down here and establishing uh, strongholds because they service many of the tech companies, many of the financial service companies that are moving parts of their business down here. So, uh, you know, I think that that is growing. Yes, uh, I don't think you'll you'll see a severing of ties between some of the major historical business centers mm-hmm. like New York and Chicago and others. But I think you'll see a continuing of presence mm. in Miami and South Florida and the Palm Beach and West Palm Beach area. Yes, uh, Goldman Sachs just took a large chunk of space in West Palm Beach. More and more offices being constructed down here, Class A office, uh, to accommodate the needs. I think that almost 2 million square feet is is under construction in Miami currently. Rents that are rivaling the highest rents in New York, $100 plus a square foot, mm-hmm. uh, are being achieved in some of these buildings in Miami a good friend of mine runs a hedge fund called Monarch Alternative Investments, and they bought 101 Biscayne mm. about two-plus years ago, an 800,000-square-foot office building. They bought it at a very reasonable cost, and they bought it where rents were $50 a square foot. Now they're 80, 90, 100 dollars $100 a square foot, two and a half, three years later. You know, I think that Miami is, you know, definitely growing in population, in residential, and certainly in commercial, and it's not going away. Yeah,
0: well, I've been listening to a lot of the same kind of facts. In fact, that was at an economic um, forecast a couple weeks ago for two twenty twenty three, uh, and really when the office report came in for Miami, they were saying we're we're actually probably short on on, uh, on inventory. And so that's why you see a lot of these projects coming on, and they're building, and they're going to be adding to that class A, the class B, and then class C, definitely type of office product, and those products um, may need to retool or rethink how they do things because everybody's kind of that flight to quality, which kind of leads me to kind of what we started with, and you know a couple last things is the you know where everybody talks about the recessionary, and are we in recession, or you know what you've seen. Um, you know, what happens. And we had the common thread at smart money. This is when smart money really comes out and starts to invest. Uh, for some of the folks that haven't been through so many or haven't, they only hear about the, the horror stories of, of a recessionary time and so forth. The silver lining, if you will, of these time of times, especially if somebody's like younger in the business and kind of getting into it and they're looking down there, everybody's a little afraid. Because as you, you said, uh, in the 90s, it was like stay alive till 95. And it's something similar I'm hearing right now. Stay alive to 2025. So um, for those of uh, you know, they're kind of thinking, hey, how can we survive through this time? How did you do it? Or what do you see, I guess, with recession, Miami or South Florida? And then, you know, maybe some uh, words of inspiration for those looking. for.
1: Well, when I started my career in late 1975, I'm dating myself. (laughs) We were in the middle of a recession. Mm -hmm. I didn't know better. (laughs) <laughs> I didn't know what – re- I mean I knew technically what a recession was, but I didn't know what it was You know, physically, emotionally, intellectually. I put my head down and I canvassed. So hard. Every building on 3rd Avenue, on Lexington Avenue, on Park Avenue, on, on 5th Avenue, on Madison Avenue, on Avenue of the Americas, and, you know, wherever I could go and get into a building and get through a building, I would canvas the heck out of those properties trying to pick up business. Uh, being in New York you're you know you're, you have an advantage because the, there are so many companies thousands upon thousands of companies in New York mm-hmm. and leases always come due changes are always necessary on the part of you know different companies you know, businesses, whether they need less space, whether they need more space, whether they want to go, you know, upgrade the, the the quality of product that they're, you know, that they're in, or, you know, they want to move out to the suburbs or whatever they might want to do, there's something to be done. And a broker and a real estate professional, you know, is there to guide them. So if you put out of your head these ideas of recession or non-recession, or inflationary periods, or disinflationary periods, and just focus on your goal, on what you have yeah. to do. Put your head down. You know, In our world, you know, go after new business opportunity. Go after new clients. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's always, if you have something interesting uh, to say, uh, somebody's going to listen. Wow. Uh, so you have to find those people that are prepared to listen Uh, And uh, there's lots of them out there. So you have to constantly be working, constantly be looking for new opportunities. Uh, And if you keep your head down and you do that, you'll succeed regardless of the environment. Wow. And that's always been my, you know, the way I've conducted my business and conducted myself to this minute. I'm always out there looking for new opportunities, uh, looking for new people to meet. Yeah. Uh, this is you know the real estate world. If you're in it, it's a people business. Yep. You can't do it over social media fully. Mm-hmm. You can't do it. You know, letter writing. You you know, you have to be in front of yep. people. They have to see you, touch you, understand what you're all about, get your your vibe. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and Absolutely. Uh, just like I get yours, you I know, yeah, I see that cigar, <laughs> uh, I see the little fedora, yeah. you know, right? yeah. you know, like Ruben, you're you're the man. Well, I,
0: you know, it's it's uh, something I learned at a young age that you know I can only be. My mom was very big on it. She's like, you can only be you, and then if you're you, just be you, be authentic. So, thank you for that. I Appreciate that, Arthur. Um, it's it's great. I mean, on that note, I think that's that's like inspirational. I'm ready to go out and you know, like you said, you know, go go pound on the streets every day, and that's what we do. That's what we get up, and I, I'm coaching some some of the folks who are younger in the business, and that's what we tell them. And it's funny because you said earlier, it's like, yeah, you used to go into a building and walk it, and now you can't do it because of security reasons. But it's the same fundamentals. as uh, If you can get 10 people to listen to you, you're doing well. From there, you're gonna some business is going to come out, and the numbers haven't really changed. The fundamentals haven't really changed. Maybe the technique a little bit. But it's exactly what you said, get in front of people, belly to belly, eye to eye, and, that, and that's, there's something that definitely gets transmitted when you're able to to, to see. And that, that sounds like a master of the universe of life that like you we were just speaking from there, not just from a university, um, the university of life, uh, and not just schooling, because a lot of schools will give you the technical stuff, but that that fire in your belly, that, that drive, um, definitely um, is something that uh, you're born with, and you can also help develop and and grow with that, um, obviously. So, Arthur, I thank you very much for um, all your information. I thank you for being here. Uh, If people want to get in touch with you, how can they get in touch with you?
1: Arthur Dresnan. My email address is Arthur at Dresnan, D-R-A-Z-N-I-N-R-E.com. To end it, I was just reading this morning that that uh, an old client of mine, a master of the universe in the real estate world, uh, Harry Mm Macklow, must be 80-odd years old right now, um, uh, started his career as a broker and became a developer and one of the largest developers in New York and then bought a huge portfolio, but he ultimately sold it to Blackstone and, and, uh, you know, developed among the biggest and most important buildings in New York is now developing two large residential properties in Dadeland. Oh. In Florida. Nice. Uh, and uh, New York uh, developers and investors are coming down here in droves, and I know oh, a yeah. lot of them.
0: Well, we absolutely will uh, hopefully uh, come back to the show and talk about a deal that we worked on together. Uh, okay, Connecting terrific. those dots. I'll look forward to so. it, Ruben. Thank you very much. Appreciate uh, everybody listening. Thank you for being here with us. Uh, please remember to share uh Ruben the Cuban with uh, whoever you think might uh, enjoy or, uh, as I like to say, get a couple of nuggets of information in the CRE world. Um, make sure that you can always find us on Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, or wherever you enjoy getting your show. Thank you very much. Have a good day.